Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Free State, everybody. I just got the signal from Joe Brawley that we're good to go. He's This is take two, just to drink you inside the Sausage Factory. He described our first attempt to introduce the show as like Ron Burgundy clearing his throat. So uh, we're back here again and we're uh, recording. And we just want to thank uh, Martina and Sean at Ballymore for the use of uh, this banking studio that we have today. Joe, you're... Uh, you're two, they're two great Roscommon people. You, you. Yeah. I mean, Martina's so patriotic about Roscommon. <laughs> One night I was given a, I was part of a panel at the Balahadrine Arts Festival, which is half in Roscommon and half in Mayo, and she was extremely upset. She rang me. She was extremely upset to hear that, that I'd gone afterwards for Pints and Solon's pub, which unbeknownst to me is apparently on the Mayo side. Oh, you crossed the border. Apparently across the border. That's scandalous. Another another uh, misstep from Joe very, Brawley. Very, very, very devout. Um, Did you get the Joe Brawley? Sean, as you know, is, is, uh, has been a huge supporter of so many philanthropic causes. You know, was, a, was instrumental in the building of the state-of-the-art Roscommon Hospice that we have in the town. And uh, he, 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 for some reason in my company, he's just reduced to helpless laughter. <laughs> all, all he does is laugh. That's good. I guess that is probably the best way. Best way of disarming you, I think, yeah. is just to collapse in laughter. There's a barrister pal of mine. Uh, you know, he's very, very different background than mine. And when I, as soon as I see him, no matter how long it's been, he just bursts out laughing, and then you know has to takes a wee minute to recover himself. <laughs> so I don't know. 
<laughs> Maybe that sort would of be... human, like a human sort of laughing gas. So would that would that uh, would that be a good if you ever make that move into politics that you're talking about? Do you think people bursting out laughing as you walk into a room would be a, an advantage or a disadvantage? I don't really care. That's <laughs> honestly the standard of questions on this podcast. I but you know you don't you don't need to get offended. And I see the the um the. Garda Commissioner, I thought did pretty well in the vote. Well, he got one one percent. Yeah, but a good pal of mine, a guard who <laughs> rugby, he says, he says, who the fuck were those hundred and sixteen <laughs> planks that voted for him? <laughs> <laughs> it turns out that the the the, the guards of Ireland, you not just that particularly keen on having an MI five man, you know, a fellow who was, you know. Uh, a very high-ranking officer in the Royal Ulster Constabulary, you know, that had to be dismantled as part of the peace process because of its notoriety. And um, you know, maybe, maybe there's some hope for this country. Well, I think that like there's a couple of things there. I imagine a lot of the guards are, are voting because of the complete, you know, they're, they're so demoralised by so many things within the guards. At least uh, he's turning them from a community police force. That's very much part and parcel of its community with all the nuances that that policing brought with it. Young fella getting into trouble, look, we're going to land him into the courts, we'll take him down to his mother and father, put an arm around him, the community will look out on this. Uh, and you have had, until his arrival, a very strong two-way process in this house of the people helping the guards, the guards being very much part and parcel of the community. Whereas in the north, I mean, it's them and us. There's no cooperation, and he has come from a very different approach to policing. But I, yeah, but I, but, I yeah. Um, I mean, what what interests me at the moment is, you know, the fact that Fine Gael, that Mrs. McEntee has so staunchly supported him. You know, the one who said that O'Connell Street was safe and went up at went up at it in, a, in an armoured Land Rover surrounded by armed armed, <laughs> armed police and said that she'd be happy to stroll around. She'd be happy to stroll around Talbot Street at two o'clock in the morning, which which as a friend of mine says is reminiscent of the Serengeti plane at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but anyway, I see that that Finney Gale have, have resoundingly t- supported him and uh I think, I mean, a, a lot of the appointment of, of, of Drew Harris was, I think, a response, again, to the rise of the, 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 the Sinn Féin movement, North and South. Well, look, yeah. and, and an element of that was, because there were so many other candidates that, 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 that would have been able to do the job. But the idea that someone like that, you know, would have been, let me say, like, you know, people in the North, they can, people have good intents, yeah, what the fuck is going on here and you know I, 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 look I'm not interested in that well look I wanted to that, say something about that before we go on because there's a couple of things I like the guards clearly needed something needed to happen I sat through a lot of the disclosures tribunal and what happened we know what happened to Morris McCabe and we know how, yeah, how I tell uh, you what you'll end up with you'll end up with the Metropolitan Police you'll, we, you'll end up with the PSNI you'll end up with the police force that that has uh, that that is ostracized in its community where there is no trust, where there's no none of that community togetherness that has that has been the hallmark of our guards, that has made them one of this, you know, it's it's one of the safest jobs in the world of any police force to be a guard here. And then we don't every, want to every, change every, that. Every every now and again, every now and again, we have, we have a terrible incident 
where a guard, you know, I mean, I know, for example, in Mayo, we had a really terrible incident that had a terrible impact in the local community when Garda Horkin uh, was killed by someone he was trying to assist someone with mental health problems. But, but in the main, you know, you have this, we've had this um, very good relationship where a guard, if something is going wrong in a community, you can go and ask people and they'll tell them. They'll tell them. And there's, and a free, there's a free flow of information and, I, I think, and an acceptance yeah, of and guards and no, that, no, no stigma, most importantly, no stigma. Whereas in the North, I mean, like someone who goes to the police force, even now from my community, and I have been at the forefront of the, the movement to try to persuade our young people from our sort of communities to join the police, simply won't do it, won't, will not do it. But look, and, but, uh, and that is that is because of the nature of policing. And but I, but I do the fact think that there's no trust. Well, that's that's fine. I I do think sometimes though, when you talk about these things, it's like when people start talking about Drew Harris's allegiances and all this kind of stuff. It kind of makes you think. Well, what happened? We're going to have to get used to if there's a United Ireland. We're going to have to get used to a huge amount of people who have dual allegiances, who do actually, who may be coming from a police force there into a United Ireland police force. And we need to going to have to suck it up a little not, bit. Not, not someone who's had very close links to MI5 and the Royal Ulster Constabulary. I mean, that, that to me smacked of just rubbing people's noses. In. Well, yeah, or else you could see there it you as... There you go, there you go. Yeah, but anyway, oh, you lads, could... in, in the proud traditions of Conor Cruz O'Brien and the other sort of uh, unionists who predominated you know, who, who, who crafted, who crafted uh, the, the special criminal courts, who, who, who crafted a policy of, of, of uh, ostracizing of Northern Catholics, all of that, and then, and then for him to be appointed, I think. Well, maybe, is, yeah. Is, uh, well, look, you know. Look, I, I don't know. I, I think if, it's I, if I'd been on the interview panel, it's unlikely <laughs> that he would have got through. And yeah. I, have, I, have, I have very broad shoulders, but... A, a, narrow, a, a person who's narrow like him, narrow in his personality and outlook, who comes from a, a, a very, very narrow and jaundiced community, particularly through the time that he was part of that community, given the fact that the RUC were part of the British murder machine in the north, systematic discrimination, uh, systematic murder, uh, and, and, and the cover-ups that followed in the black operations. For me, Garda Commissioner. Well, yeah, but I think at the same time, let's see. Listen, I, if you're happy enough with it. You well, know, no, a, I, I'm not a, saying it's a, I'm it's saying a free ish country. The point is that I think there is going to be more and more of the of these challenging appointments and challenging uh, amalgamations if you have if there is a united ireland and that's the thing that people sometimes the people who seem to be most uh, vociferous and most supportive and most desperate it's for united newest. ireland i've seen seem less likely to like his father was killed by was, was was you know his father was murdered by the ira there's there was certain elements of his own story that you kind of think okay this is something that's that you could that's a different matter. no but this is something that's that you could actually matter. accommodate in a, in a he new ireland unreconstituted un out of out of that background uh, into this job, and you know, unless nine thousand guard officers are wrong, well, no, and, no, and, sorry, no. can I finish? And <laughs> this is like the other way round. Yeah, unless nine thousand guard officers are wrong and one hundred and sixteen planks <laughs> are correct, then you know there there does seem to be a problem. But you know what? We, but look, we, we but run, yeah, we run with your analysis. No, no, he's no, fine. No. Everything's good. No, I'm not saying. You know, I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you're trying to put. You're tr I'm saying. Are happy. I'm saying. Listen, Finn yeah, the Gale are happy. Joe, let me make my point. 
I'm saying that I'm not, you know, the reasons why the guards voted against him are valid. And as some, as a, as the some, some somebody from the GRA said, you know, he is the CEO of the guards and he is responsible for the the, the failures, the actual demoralization of that force. The, but the demoralization you know, comes and I strongly point, from the fact that he has divided the force. But they were, from demoral, the yeah, they were also demoralized before before he took over too, and he has to also it would be a help if you paid them properly and things yeah. like that. If yeah, they yeah, were properly they're, they're resourced, that, if you did all those. They're things. the things that matter, and that's but, the same same with education. We'll the same. We are being sidetracked. I don't think it's particularly no, interesting no, no, topic. No, we want to talk about something much more important. We mentioned it during the uh, Wrap the Green Flag Around Me Boys episodes, and we we actually didn't want to just uh, tack it on to the end of that episode. And we mentioned it there. We talked about the Legacy Bill, and it is connected to what we were talking about in that episode in the sense that it is connected to how we deal with history. And Well, it is an illustration I wonder just let of, me the, just, of yeah. the fact that we remain in the North, shit under the shoe of the British, and that applies that applies also now to the Protestant community who are no longer of use to the British. You know they don't they don't they don't they, don't, they treat them with absolute contempt, but we have always been and remain shit under under their shoes. So that from April of next year there will be no more investigations into the past, no more inquests, no more trials. And we know this in the context of a British murder system that was deliberately set up to be secret and to make sure that insofar as it was humanly possible, no one would ever come before the courts in relation to the, the, the things that the state was doing. And, you know, whenever you have a situation where one of the main cheerleaders of this bill, the uh, Tory party, then minister, now MP, Johnny Mercer, appearing outside court arm in arm with Dennis Hutchings, a British soldier, one of the very few who was charged in relation to the shooting dead of John Pat Cunningham, who was a young man with severe learning difficulties, who at a checkpoint was frightened of the uniforms, turned to run, they chased him into a field and shot him in the back. And then, of course, they lied about it afterwards and covered it up. So that you've got, what, 30 years later, a man in his 80s, Dennis Hutchings, and there's Mercer outside the courts with him, holding his arm aloft, you know, rubbing people's noses in it. And you know what he calls the hundreds and hundreds of people uh, whose, whose family members and loved ones were murdered. Do you know what he calls them in the North? What he calls us? No. The grievance industry. Hmm. Yeah. This... Uh, the fucking grievance industry. This Northern Ireland Troubles Legacy and Reconciliation Bill was first announced in July 21 by uh, Boris Johnson, who I'm, I'm sure uh, reassured everybody when he announced it and said... This was going to draw a line under the troubles. Well, it was going to protect, you know, now that now that there are all sorts of other legal weaponries available to us, now that now that we are an extremely well educated, well connected and powerful grouping. Uh, now that we had the European Court of Human Rights in multiple rulings ordering the British government to carry out investigations. 
it, this was all about shutting that down. I mean, I just thought the other day of my friend Damien Brown, who I played for Derry with the Miners in the under-21s. And uh, do you know what the, the Gaelic football pitch in Balahi is called, the Gaelic football grounds? No. They're called Sean Brown Park. And uh, Damien's his son. And... Uh, Sean was locking up the club in May 1997, locking up the clubhouse. And uh, Sean would have had neighbours, friends in the Protestant and Catholic communities. No, a very well-known fella. And uh, he was taken as he was locking up the club about half eleven at night and driven away, tortured and beaten and shot. And his body was dumped about sort of eight or nine miles away. And uh, a fortnight later, Derry played Monaghan in Monaghan in the first round of the Ulster Championship. And it, it hung over us like a shroud. There were so many Balahi boys in the group. We were all so interconnected. And we played very poorly that day. And I remember afterwards the team saying, look, we have to do better. You know, we have to, can't let this, you know, we have to honour this man and in the replay a week later we played Monaghan again in an electrified Celtic Park and I mean it was electric I can't remember that often playing with such frenzied focus I think I got a couple of goals that day but I remember after the first goal going to the crowd punching the air and they I mean it was Monaghan but it was like you know we will not fucking stand for this he will not fucking stand for this. And Damien, like the thousands of family members in the north, like the stardust where I am at the moment, they were treated contemptuously at the time. Mr Justice Keane uh, did a whitewash of a report where patrons were blamed for causing the fire in the absence of any evidence. And like Hillsborough, like Bloody Sunday, like any of these things, those families have suffered because time stops for people. Deep down, there's something in us that won't let us go on. My good friend John Fanook and his father was murdered when he was seven. He just every day is occupied with an, a, 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 a proper judicial investigation into the collusion that caused his father's death. But anyway, Damien went to 30 hearings to try to get an inquest off the ground. And uh, he died of a brain tumour two years ago. Never saw that inquest. And Declan, Damien's son, who plays for Balahi, great lad, lovely footballer. The day of his father's funeral, he played with Balahi in the championship against Newbridge. And at the final whistle, there was a huge crowd at it. His teammates ran to him and embraced him. Because this settles down over us, this sense of you know, being shit under the British shoe. Nulu O'Loan, the ombudsman, did an investigation into, into the police investigation into his father's death and Declan's grandfather's death. And she found that it was, there was not an investigation at all. They simply turned a blind eye to the police. Likely because members of the police service and uh, soldiers were involved. Cigarette butts close to his body 
at the place he was beaten and shot were, were never DNA tested and were discarded. A witness came forward since dead, wasn't even interviewed by the police. Security camera, camera footage went missing. The history of the murder weapon was not investigated. Antoine Lone asked for the murder file. It had mysteriously gone missing from the police station. And the investigating officer in the case was subsequently promoted to superintendent. Seamus Heaney wrote a poem about it. I must say, I still think very difficult to read. The Augean stables, you know, where one of Hercules, or Heracles as he put it, one of his labours was to clean out King Augeus's reeking yard and stables. And what Hercules did was because he, he had the power to do these things, like Superman, he diverted the river Alpheus through the stables and washed the stink away. And Heaney was there at the spot whenever he heard. It was there in Olympia about his old friend Sean Brown. It was there in Olympia down among green willows the lustral wash and run of river shallows that we heard of Sean Brown's murder in the grounds of Blahy GA Club and imagined hose water smashing hard back off the asphalt in the car park where his athlete's blood ran cold. And the British establishment says, well, you know, sit on it. Fucking peasants. Like a Walter Mackin novel, you know, where the landlord, the aristocratic landlord, you know, goes through the fair on his stallion, you know, whipping the peasantry as he passes. That's... Um, Sean Brown Park. It's now there will be no inquest because well, the, the, the deadline's April. Well, they, well uh, somebody put it to me that the inquest, and because we mentioned this in the, in the last episode too, um, when I was at the Currency, we commissioned a four-part series by the journalist Phoebe Greenwood on who killed Joe Campbell, the, RUC, the Catholic RUC officer. Hi, the, the, up in Cushendall. Yeah, and... Uh, um, I, you know, that piece was published in the summer of 2022. <clears throat> and at that point, it was, uh, they were, there was a cutoff point where inquests had to have substantially progressed uh, by a certain point or they wouldn't be allowed to proceed as part of this, uh, of the, part of the legacy bill. But as so many of them were, there was a concerted effort to get those bills or to get those inquests in, in, in train. So as it was put to me, by somebody close to the case, they, the British government moved the goalposts, and now those those inquests have to be completed by the first of May next year. Yeah, and I'm conscious of it because I know a lot of the solicitors and a lot of the families involved in this. But like Joe Campbell's this horrific, this 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 panic-stricken stampede. Mm, no, I know, but they're not going to you know because they won't have courts, they won't have coroners. Mm. This, this is. Um, but it's very unlikely in the in the case of Joe Campbell, for example, that 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 will happen. And Joe Campbell's widow, Rosemary, is eighty eight years old. That's the point. You see, you play the waiting game. You let them die. And they say, "Oh well." You know. Two of his children. He had eight children. His eight children. Two of them had, have died. Um, they 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 
believe they know who killed their father. Oh, yeah. Uh, so he was set up by his own people. Yeah. Don't forget, don't forget that when Joe Campbell was killed, and it was clear that he'd been killed from within the old RUC. Hmm. That's, you know, and it's accepted that that is the situation. The story that it was immediately put out was that, it, that he'd been killed by the IRA. Yeah. Joe was a beloved community policeman. He was from the South. Um, from Monaghan. He didn't carry a gun. He lived openly in the village and he was very, very popular. And again, that was another case where he was killed. Nobody was investigated. They walked away. I mean, well, can they, I just they, say one thing on that before we moved on? Because it is important. This is very, uh, there was a statement uh, at the time of, of the piece from the uh, PSNI and says, it said to the currency at the time, it said, uh, we acknowledge that there were significant shortcomings in the RUC handling of information prior to the murder. And in both subsequent police investigations into Sergeant Campbell's murder, we have previously apologized for that and reiterate that apology. Well, that's a shit apology. Uh, In 2014, and this is the other thing, the police ombudsman found that the death of Sergeant Campbell could have been prevented if senior officers in the Royal Ulster Constabulary had responded appropriately to information relating to threats to Sergeant Campbell. Yeah, from within. From within. within. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah, so like this is... If if you... A very important thing to understand about the North was that this was a free-for-all. If you were in the security services, the RUC, the British Army, we were target practice. In 1976, one night, my parents, Francie and Anne, went over to the Blahi Club to, to sing. They were folk singers. And when they came out afterwards, their tires had been slashed in the car. And my Aunt Maura sent me some time ago, she had kept the news reports from the time. 
and the were there with Packy Kelly, the fiddler player from fiddler from Dungiven, and Packy O'Neill, a great friend of theirs. He went everywhere with them, loved them dearly, and sang Galway Bay, and you know, and uh, my aunt Mora was there, and one of the Balahi boys, one of the Mulholland's, Lawrence Mulholland, offered to give them a lift home afterwards, and they said, "Look, we'll be safe." Lawrence was happy enough. So Lawrence gave them a lift home. They went in two cars, actually. And they ran into a bogus UDR roadblock, two UDR jeeps. So that's the notorious Ulster Defence Regiment, a wing of the, you know, the British soldiers. And they were taken out of the cars. My father was taken over the hill. My mother was pregnant, I think, with our... She had been pregnant with our Anya at the time. I'd have been about eight. And they took him over the hill and they beat him. And then my mother heard shots ringing out in the air. And as each of the men was brought over the hill, the shots rang out. And my mother and her sister Maura just assumed that they'd been murdered. And as this was unfolding, as this was unfolding, a car all of a sudden came out of the blue and happened upon them and the soldiers scattered. Now they all survived, but I have no doubt that the purpose was to murder them all. The car headlights arrived, they scattered. My father was badly beaten. Um, Packy Keeley was very badly beaten. I mean, Packy was a good age at the time. He was a fiddle player, wasn't involved in anything. And they... Um, did something very unusual on my parents and the whole crew, they, they sued because nobody was ever arrested, nobody ever spoken to. They were able to describe who they were, describe their accents, describe the, the, the UDR jeeps. And Judge William Doyle at Marafelt County Court, I'm just reading from the... He said it was a disgrace that not a single UDR soldier from the Marafelt Company had attended. It was a disgrace that the RUC had not even served summonses on them and had simply refused to the court to do so. He awarded them all very substantial damages. And uh, But it was a very unusual case of people from our community deciding, let's want to take this on. The headline is... Judge slams UDR over outrageous case. And he outlines the injuries of all of the occupants of the car. But that was your lot. That's what we were to them. And why did they decide to take it on in that case? See, my mother would be a very determined person and a very strong sense of righteousness. And we were powerless. There was nothing. The police didn't investigate it. Hmm. I mean, nobody was ever interviewed. It was quite clear that it was the Marfelt Brigade of the UDR because mm. Lords Mahal recognised some of them. Um, it's just say, like, fuck off. You're fucking fiends. Now fuck away, back off. You're lucky you're not fucking dead. Because we wouldn't have investigated that either. And, you know, you, Colin McCartney from Balahi, who lived very close to the spot where my mother and father were, were 
taken out of their cars that night and, and beaten. Colm was Seamus Heaney's cousin. It's funny how these were so interrelated, like, in the North, and were so... The tentacles spread through the whole community. Colm was coming from the All-Ireland semi-final, Derry against Dublin in 1975, with Sean Farmer, who was from the Moy. It was a curious friendship. But they became friendship because they had a mutual interest in diggers. And Des Fahey, <laughs> Des Fahey a good friend of mine, very eminent, King's Council now, he wrote a, a very celebrated book about the murder called Death in a Country Road. But they were coming from the other and semi final Derry used to, Derry hadn't done so well. And uh, they came to a diversion and they came on a, an army patrol. And the army patrol w was the Glenan Gang, which was made up of serving soldiers, serving RUC officers and loyalist paramilitaries. And they shot the two boys and left them, just left their bodies on the side of the road, you know, contemptuously. And it was the start of a reign of terror, or it was part of a reign of terror, you know, that was imposed by that Glenan gang. And in 1999, John Weir, who was an RUC man who'd been convicted of the murder of William Strayhorn, mm. another Blahi man. So I played Gaelic football with Kevin, great lad, and Willie was, Willie was killed. They went to a shop at night and they pretended that the youngster wasn't well. Willie came down and uh, the soldiers and police officers murdered him on the doorstep. And we're in 1999, he gave a very detailed interview to the Sunday Times, outlining the extent of security forces' collusion and their participation in mass murder over the previous 20 years. And named the people who'd been involved in the murder of, of, of Colum. And I, I was talking about the murder this morning in Stardust and Dearwood Brecknell, a very young solicitor from Cullihanna, beside just the parish where the boys were murdered, Alt Macken. He says, look at that for a chapel, he says. So proud of the chapel. He says, look mm -hmm. at that, he says. I'll actually find the spot for you. And he found the spot for me on Google Maps. I mean, Father Fall, Father Dennis Fall, Father Raymond Murray, who began highlighting the Glenan gang in the 70s, they, they produced a report at the time that said that the RUC have, quote, a 100% failure, failure rate when it comes to convicting these people for murders of Catholics in this area. And Anne Cadwallader's book, Lethal Allies, set a lot of that out. I mean, these were the same guys who did the Dublin one-on bombings. Again, assisting, they were, they were security forces, never mind being assisted by the security forces. That's where they got their know-how, the bombs. You know, they were, they, were, they were armed. They had a safe route in and out. And, you know, they operated out of James Mitchell's farmhouse in Glenan. That's why they were called the Glenan Gang. It guess which organisation James Mitchell was part of. Mm. He was a serving officer in the Royal Ulster Constabulary. So they could just operate with impunity. And well, it's very... Uh, I mean, in, in 2007, the ex-Metropolitan Police Commissioner Ian Blair quite rightly described the Royal Ulster Constabulary as, quote, an almost completely paramilitary organisation. I mean, they could do what they liked. 
And, you know, again, these tentacles that spread through our community in the north, it's so small, that GA nationalist community where we're so, you know, we all know each other. Heaney wrote uh, a very celebrated poem about his cousin Colum's murder uh, called The Strand at Loch Beg. And, uh, you know, in Sean Murray's film, Unquiet Graves, about the Glenan gang, he couldn't get funding anywhere. Do you know how they funded it? Eventually. It's a beautiful film, you know, very horrific film, but a very noble film, and the families of all those victims loved it. Um, it had to be crowdfunded. But the film finishes incomparably beautifully with Stephen Ray reading Heaney's The Strand at Loch Beg about the murder of his cousin Colm. Yeah, it's a beautiful reading. Thanks, Joe. Leaving the white glow of filling stations and a few lonely street lamps among fields, you climb the hills towards Newton Hamilton, past the Fuse Forest, out beneath the stars. Along that road, a high, bare pilgrim's track where Sweeney fled before the bloodied heads, goat beards and dogs' eyes in a demon pack blazing out of the ground, snapping and squealing. What blazed ahead of you? A faked roadblock. The red lamp swung, the sudden brakes and stalling engine, voices, heads hooded and the cold-nosed gun. Or in your driving mirror, tailing headlights that pulled out suddenly and flagged you down where you weren't known and far from what you knew. I turn because the sweeping of your feet has stopped behind me to find you on your knees with blood and roadside muck in your hair and eyes then kneel in front of you in brimming grass and gather up cold handfuls of the dew to wash you, cousin I dab you clean with moss fine as the drizzle out of a low cloud I lift you under your arms and lay you flat With rushes that shoot green again I plait green scapulars to wear over your shroud Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.